Then put your little hand in mine There ain't no hill or mountain we can't climb Welcome to Groundhog Minute, the podcast where we celebrate the 1993 classic Groundhog Day, one repetitive minute at a time. I'm your host, Sean. And I'm your other host, Dave. And joining us again today, we have Josh Horowitz of 5 Minutes of Trouble, 5 Minutes of Bonsai, and 12 Chimes, It's Midnight. Welcome back. Yeah, thanks, Dave and Sean. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for for coming back for one more minute of the Groundhog Day. Glad to have you. No, this is fun. But are are we going to be discussing minute 53 again? (laughs) Oh, he still doesn't get it! (laughs) Enough with the Rocky Road already. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe I ate fudge. <laughs> Yuck. <laughs> no, no, Josh, we're we're actually here to talk about minute fifty-five. Fifty-five. All right. Yeah. So uh, newsflash there for you. So, uh, Dave, bring us up to speed. What is happening? What's what's with minute fifty-five? Okay. Well, minute fifty-five. Phil, he now vocally remembers to himself: no fudge, no white chocolate. They argue about what is real and what is love. Uh, Rita says she can't love him because he, all he is all he loves is himself, and she slaps him for making her care about him. Mm. And then we cut to them rolling the snowman head, and Phil is really leaning into having the kids ha- angle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um... so I think I mean I've got a couple different things, but my main note for and I think it it applies to both portions of this minute, the kind of the conclusion of, um, of one date night with Rita and Phil's room. And then the beginning, or I guess the middle of another date night where they're back outside with the snowmen. And the, the, my point slash question is, is there such a thing as being too prepared, hmm. kind of too well rehearsed where it starts to get, it starts to get creepy. And we certainly see it in, in the next part to come. But Rita kind of senses it with, you know, with this list, with this, all the things, the fudge and the Rocky Road and the French poetry, like he just, uh, you know, he knows too much. He's got too many things Mm -hmm. on Rita, you know, for someone that he's just met. I mean, I don't know this much about my wife and we've been married for for a long time. But, you know, for all the things that Phil seems to know about Rita and you know, everything's kind of right there. Is it, you know, is it just, is it too much? Is he, is he too prepared? I mean, yeah, Sean, I, I agree. I mean, there, there is something to be said about having a degree of spontaneity in any relationship and discovery. And mm-hmm. it can be just too creepy to know too much about the other person. Yeah. I mean, look, he's got the, uh, those, I said those flowers right there. They were not there earlier in this movie. Mm-hmm. So he's prepared this room in his mind, you know, with the Rocky Road and the poetry, he's prepared. He's prepared it so well, and everything is just perfect to what he thinks Rita needs to sleep with him. And yeah, it's just like I said. Like there's got, you know, I'm sure anyone being on a date, the first date with someone, um, if they had, they knew too much ab- or about your topics, it would it would feel suspicious. But for her, yeah, she knows him from the previous day. You always got to remember that that he for that entire drive up here was just. He wanted nothing to do with them, hmm. and and, mm-hmm. and 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 he was just sour the whole time. And here he is, just like he's the perfect angelic answer to what you would want, what you think you want as a date. But it's hmm. uh, creepy. Yeah, 
I, I do like his line, though, that he says when, uh, you know, after Rita says that, you know, he never loves anybody but himself, he says, you know, that's not true. He doesn't even like himself. That's a, a nice little recovery there and kind of dodging the question a bit. And and I feel like he's, you know, in a way honest with himself. And I hopefully this, I mean, it's not yet. It hasn't gotten to him yet. But when he, he must hopefully think about when he said that to her because he said it so off the cuff. <laughs> he's like, yeah, maybe I am a problem of my own, you know, my own creation. Hmm. Yeah. I feel like it in, in the heat of the moment, the truth kind of, the truth slips out. Like it inadvertently to- told the truth for, for this, this little bit, you mm-hmm. know, this one moment, he's going to be suddenly completely honest in the moment hmm. and say, I, I don't even like myself. And I, and I have, I get the feeling that this is a, a paradox of, of the ego and of the narcissist that, that someone like Phil who's so self-centered, who's so preoccupied with his own, his own wants and needs. And you think, and it's natural to, to look at someone like that and think, oh, this person loves themselves. But I would think it's more often than not that behavior, the, the foundation deep down, the you know, kind of a root cause of that, that sort of behavior and that attitude is, is a discomfort. And, and and not liking yourself and not being comfortable because if you were comfortable, if you did, if you loved yourself, that would give you the ability to love others. Hmm. Um, I mean, I guess that's, well, that's what RuPaul is always saying. You know, how are you going to, if you don't love yourself, how the heck are you going to love somebody else? And I think hmm. that's what we're seeing ultimately with Phil that, yeah, he doesn't love himself. Hmm. Interesting. Here, here, and here's this, here's, here's a good uh, hint of how, um, She's obviously creeped out. She wants to know how he knows all this information. And really, you know, the first thing she does is she 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 takes the she separates from him, you know, immediately. Mm-hmm. She goes to the other side of the room. She's now put like twelve feet of distance between him and her. So now she's at a safe location. And then when she asks the question, she's now coming, you know, toward him, and she goes right up to him because she wants to know the answers of why he, you know, why he's talking about love, why he's making any sense. And then he, you know, he tries to get a little knack. He, he's just, he's still thinking that he's going to woo her over with, with, with the kisses and the hugs. And then she, then she, then she, you know, he, she slaps his hands down and now she's walking toward the stairs, you mm-hmm. know, like she actually was probably going to stand there another minute trying to get the answers out of him. And then when he's not going to give it to her, she's now walking toward the staircase, but still makes one turn. And, and 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 berates him that you know I can't believe you made me try to care about you and you don't love you know you don't love anybody. Um, yeah, and here we get the the second slap of the film. When was the uh, first one? Yeah, so the the first is was it at the second or maybe the third Groundhog Day where Phil actually asked for it because he's so confused. He oh, had, right. He's still kind of <laughs> unsure of what's going on. Like, wait, is it you know, am I dreaming and? <laughs> And when they he he walks up to her in the morning at Gobbler's Knob before the the groundhog ceremony, and he says, mm-hmm. "Slap me!" Right. And she very quickly and very enthusiastically yeah. uh, <laughs> follows through <laughs> with that request. Yeah, no question um, about it. Yeah. So this time it's a, it's not it's not by request, but it is it is our second slap and the first or well, I guess the second of many. There's... Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, there there, there will certainly be. More coming. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I like how he holds the ice cream up to his cheek afterwards. And then uh, <laughs> you, you actually get to see a little bit about that ice cream. It says Anderson's on it. 
Had you guys ever heard of an Anderson's ice cream? Western Pennsylvania, I guess not. I mean, it could it could be a local a local creamery maybe. I would oh. assume like I would assume there would be a local creamery uh, dairy that would uh would pr- provide ice cream. Yeah, I wonder I'm, yeah, I haven't I didn't look too much into it. I wonder is this the same is this the same place where they got the fudge? Is this just the town sweet shop that they do hmm. ice cream and and other you know kind of all you know fudge and and white chocolate and um, and ice cream as well. Yeah, the only research I could find was that there there isn't an Anderson's ice cream, but there is an Anderson's frozen custard in Buffalo, New York, mm-hmm. and they do sell Anderson ice cream at Walmart. And there's even Rocky Road. There you go. <laughs> Honestly, I, I maybe it's too. I was gonna say maybe it could be Hershey, but it's like I don't know. At this point, I think Hershey's actually too far from Punxsutawney. Right, Hershey, Pennsylvania. That's right. Yeah, hmm. yeah. Because Hershey's not that far. Like when you go to Pennsylvania from from Jersey, it's like not too far. It's like an hour and a half. But then you look at the state of Pennsylvania, you're like, you still got to go a while till you get to the Pittsburgh area. Hmm. Yeah, but it wouldn't be too far from from where they are here, right? Okay. I mean, it certainly would be too far for Phil on this day because oh, of the yeah. blizzard. He wouldn't be running out. Hmm. Well, that's an interesting thing I hadn't thought about. Uh, you know, that, that blizzard is kind of limiting where he can go in that day. He is kind of stuck in the town. Mm-hmm. I mean, what if he could just take a plane anywhere, you know, and he, he knows he'll just be back in, in Puxatani at the end. But, like, you know, he takes a trip to Rio or <laughs> he travels to Europe and... And and what happens when he goes through the different time zones? What would actually trigger his return? Oh boy! I mean, I, oh. I'm guessing it had to be. It would be the. It would be the exact. Uh, it would only be the timeline of Punks of Twenty. I'm mm. guessing. See, that's that's hopefully what's in the sequel for that Death Day too. It's like if you're gonna have a serial killer kill somebody over and over again, you gotta now you gotta expand. You gotta make it so they go international while also getting serial killed. Whatever. <laughs> However, that movie works. All right. By the way, uh, yeah, Punks of Twenty. 182 miles from Hershey, and it's about a three-hour drive. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's like, eh, I don't know if Hershey would supply the ice cream that far uh, west. I feel like there would be a Pittsburgh creamery, or I said Anderson could also be a local dairy mm-hmm. farmer for the town. Um, but yeah, you know, he says honestly, though. Yeah, he says honestly, I, you know, I don't even like myself. So that's the honest line he said during the heat of the moment. And then he says, give me another chance. And that's completely, that's, that's, that's old Phil thinking. Hmm. Of oh just come on just, I, I don't see you as a real person right now just give me another chance mm. and he and a well deserved slap yeah and this is definitely the the downward spiral point for Phil yeah things are not going to be good in the next couple of minutes <laughs> <laughs> well yeah and this is the beginning of an interesting sequence because we we know Phil is redoing things over and over again and kind of tweaking things or setting things up we saw that with. Um, with Nancy where, you know, he asked her a bunch of questions the next day and then, or one day and then the next day he could come up and know all these things about her. And we've seen things resetting with, um, with this quote unquote day that he's having with Rita, but usually it cuts, it cuts right away. We haven't seen a lot of the failures that go into the experience and building up the perfect day. You know, we saw him question, you know, talking to Nancy and then it kind of cut right away to all of a sudden they're, you know, they're in front of the fake fire and he's proposing. Um, We saw when they were eating earlier and 
Rita's talking about uh, how she studied French poetry in college. And then, um, you know, Phil laughs and that's obviously the wrong response to, you know, saying that's such a big waste of time, but then it instantly cuts to the next iteration or another iteration where she says she studied French poetry and all of a sudden now Phil speaks French, whereas <laughs> this is starting to go wrong, but we're not cutting away instantly to the next loop where Phil has tweaked it. We're going to stick with this and we're going to see it go wrong. And we do eventually cut away in this minute. We, we go back to the square and, and building the snowman, but then we're going to see with that scene as well, we're not going to cut away as soon as things start to go wrong. Mm-hmm. We're going to get a little bit of the feel of, um, you know, what does it take to build the perfect day? Or what does it take to kind of do this through iterations and, and tweak your actions or what you're saying every time through? And, you know, because yeah, we, we've talked about it on the show that like, so what happens when they're at dinner? And Phil says the wrong thing or has the wrong reaction. And yeah, he can make the mental note. All right, don't do that next time. But then the rest of the, you know, the rest of the day still happens. That's right. It's not like a video game where, all right, I'm going down the wrong path. I'm hitting reset. (laughs) Like this, I know this game isn't going well. I'm not even going to bother finishing it. Like, Unless he just pulls out a gun and shoots himself or right, jumps in front of a truck, like button that he has. <laughs> yeah, there's there isn't really a <laughs> there's you know that yeah that's the only reset button. So he's got to finish this date with with Reed, although she's gonna end it pretty quickly hmm. herself. Yeah. No, it's it's a good point, and it's it's a testament to the good editing and pacing in this film. That's one of the reasons that I think a lot of people like it mm-hmm. how they handle things like that. Yeah. I wonder, th- oh, sorry. No, this, go ahead, Dave. No, no, I'm looking at the building the snowman, you know, with him like leaning into the kids' angle, like him saying, like, really thinking, you know, if he says, I, I, oh, I want to be a family man with kids so much, it's going to, and he's trying to rush it. Oh, feels, you know, he's trying to rush it. Um, yeah, he can get, he can get Rita more excited to be with him in bed, and I kind, and I stopped looking at him. And I started looking at the kids again mm-hmm. with the snowball kids, and I know we thought like maybe he bribed them. I'm thinking this is what I was thinking. Here's another theory: <laughs> okay. is that the first time, whenever it was, how many days ago that he tried, they went and they went, they built a snowman. You know, maybe uh, she said like, "Oh, look at all the beautiful snow," and she's like, "It would be fun to build a snowman." Then he says, "Okay, we'll build a snowman." So then he, he plans the snowman angle. But then the kids throw snowballs at him, and maybe at first he's like, "Oh, they they ruined my day." But then she says how fun it was and then so the next day he's like all right i'll lean into i'll pretend like i don't know they're there and then i'll lean into how excited i am that the kids are with the snowballs you know and then now he's leaning into the kids foster kids adoption kids you know (laughs) yeah yeah he's really trying hard now (laughs) yeah and i think this gets it this is this part's kind of where my question about being too prepared Mm -hmm. comes from because the first time through it, it you know it it sounded good like the first time we see this snowball fight um it it you know it, it comes off very sincere and it obviously it endears Rita towards Phil she likes you know she's having fun and she likes the way he's reacting so she's not she's thinking about a family and she's thinking about kids she's not totally turned off that um I mean this is kind of their first date I don't know if she's thinking about it as a date yet rather than just hanging out with a coworker, but she, you know, she's, she's kind of interested in the kid talk and stuff. And then she, you know, fun with this, the snowball fight, but here he's, 
it's yeah it's way over the top it's way over eager it's mm-hmm. not yeah it's not just well i'm interested in having a family someday it's oh i'm gonna adopt i'm gonna have foster kids i'm gonna be you know i'll feed strays i'll be picking up you know i'll be stealing kids from the <laughs> from the park i'm just gonna be wrangling up kids like it's yeah. Yeah. And, you- and, and he's cut and he's like he's cutting her off her lines about like like he's saying all mm-hmm. these lines rapid fast, pulling the coal, pulling the pipe out, and you can watch her eyes like go to his jacket, like wait, 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 what you you had all this? Like, but she can't say it yet because she's still waiting for him to finish talking about all the kids. Hmm. But you can watch her eyes; she has this confusion. Like he's going rapid fire, but he's like, like as if he's yeah pre he's practiced this this whole coal coal in the eye, coal in the eye. Here's the pipe. You know, it's it's like she's like, oh, wait, 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 slow down. What's, what's going on here? Yeah, and then he yeah. runs into the snowball with the kids. Well, you know, all the talking about adoption and kids got me uh, wondering just just how many kids you are able to adopt legally. So I looked this one up, and oh. the first thing that popped up, it said that in at least in the state of Maryland, it allows you to adopt up to six children per household. And then there was another site called AdoptionNetwork.com, and they said that uh, 135,000 children are adopted in the U.S. each year, and there are 1.5 million adopted children currently in the U.S. It's a lot of kids. A lot of kids. Mm-hmm. I feel like yeah, six is a is a good is a good stop <laughs> because I feel like after that it's like, can you financially support them? And you know they got, and then obviously the the, the adoption agencies want to make sure you're not like some weird scumbag who's like trying to get them to you know like who's going to abuse the kids or something or like work in the use them lines. in some like some weird drug meal thing oh. all right kids <laughs> y'all gonna move heroin now oh jeez oh, okay <laughs> <laughs> well that went to a dark place <laughs> sorry yeah uh, but I, I would think once like i don't know is there like is there that big of a difference between six and seven would mm-hmm. you, would you even notice them at that point yeah, I would think it. You know, <laughs> I, I kind of wonder, like, oh, if if you take six, like they start sneaking in two or three for free, just because, like, hey, who's gonna notice? <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, yeah, but this is this is creepy. There, so there is a line somewhere when, at one point, if you're, you know, you're on the same wavelength. Oh, someone. Oh, Phil likes the same drink. That that Rita likes, and oh, he makes the same toast to world peace that she makes, and and stuff like that. So there's a to a certain point, oh, we're on the same wavelength. We agree on so much. We have so much in common that's endearing. But he certainly crosses the line, and you you pointed out, Dave, um, where he jumps in. You know, he kind of jumps in on what she was going to say and what she's thinking. The first time, one of the things she says, so the the first snowman scene, and he pulls out the, the looks like black rocks or little bits of coal for the eyes, and he's got the pipe for the snowman, and she asks, where did you get that? And he's like, oh, I went over to the, the snowman shop, and then the, <laughs> then the snowballs start coming in, and at this point, he's like, hey, I got this over at Snowman City, and just barrels over her, <laughs> and it's not in a good way, like, oh, he answered the question before I even had a chance to ask it, it's... Oh, that's creepy. He's, you know, just taking over my mind and, mm. you know, and, and answering questions before I have a chance to ask it. And yeah, mm. it it's it gets to be too much. Yeah. 
But we do get a glimpse, I think, during this scene of just Bill Murray's manicness. It's sort of like what we see in Ghostbusters, you know, the whole cats and dogs living together. And you <laughs> you, you kind of get that here. It's kind of fun to see it. I uh, I had a, I had a, I had a weird thought. I want to throw it at you and then see if you like this. F- Phil, at this point, in is treating people in this town like they're lunchable snack packs. <laughs> <laughs> like we're lunchables. It's not a real lunch. It's not a real sandwich. It's like what Oscar Mayer uh, approximates to. Oh, you'll have a piece of meat, a piece of cheese, and then a piece of bread, and then you'll eat it, and then you'll be satisfied. Where it's, and it's all portioned out. You know, he was like, oh, if I just do this, this, and this, and this, this, this equals having a friendship. This equals having a relationship. This is, you know, it's, there's no single serving type of portion person that you can be to somebody. Hmm. You know? I don't know if that makes sense. I don't know. I was like a, try, I was trying to get real, like real Tyler <laughs> Durden on you. <laughs> no, it's an interesting analogy. Yeah. Well, yes, yeah, he's, he's, he's treating people like they're objects, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Phil, Phil treats people like they're groundhogs, man. Tasty prepackaged objects. <laughs> yeah. And I think this is the, I, the, the loop is getting to him is mm-hmm. getting to Phil. And I think that's one of the things we're mm. seeing here. Yeah. That, yeah. And, and, and again, just another side, in case you were fooled, in case you thought there was something real here, that there was like a sincere affection for Rita that that's happening in this case. Um, I'm sorry. I completely just lost my well, train of no, thought. No, no. The I madness is starting to set in. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That, that he, so yeah, that he's, the madness is starting to set in that he's that this the script is falling apart. Mm-hmm. That he's done this so many times that he's just rushing through. He's trying to get to you know. There's some point where it started to go wrong the last time through, so he knows okay. At this point, I need to do something different. Mm-hmm. But it's he's got a back to the video game analogy. There's no safe point. He can't just jump in. All right, at the point. I laughed at her college major or at the point I offered her the fudge that she doesn't like, or at the point where I said, I love you and it's too soon. He can't just jump in at the safe point. He's got to start at 6am with the alarm clock going off again and go through the whole day. Mm-hmm. And it's, and, and understandably he gets a little bit tired and frustrated. Yep. He wants to get, you know, he doesn't want to build the snowman. He wants to get to the point of, where we fall down in the snow and we laugh together and he wants to skip over the dinner and get to the point where they're in front of the fake fire and they're, and they're making out kind of thing. And it's, he's, you know, his mind is not where he is. He's thinking about other places and other things. Yeah. Imagine the frustration. Mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And and that frustration, like that God, the movie doesn't show, but yeah, he could go to, you know, such dark things to think like oh well the ends justify the means i could do all these horrible things but you know if i got the person to sleep with me if i if i conquer the thing that i need to conquer today and i beat it um it's all that matters mm-hmm. you know try he's trying to yeah like game the system where it's like dude these are people it's a real freaking people phil <laughs> yeah yeah um and and i do think that we see that he is He's just after, he's just trying to seduce Rita. Yeah. 
and you know, and he's not thinking about. I don't even think he's thinking about what can I do to get out of this loop. You know, how can I get out of this situation? I think he's just kind of like very early on. He just kind of gave up. He didn't know. He doesn't know why this is happening. He doesn't know how to stop it. He's just trying to deal with it in his own, um, you know, his own and unhealthy way at this point. Hmm. I don't. I don't think there is. I don't think. Um, I don't think the motivation is he thinks, well, if I make Rita happy, I'll be out of this loop. Or if, or if we get together with Rita, if I seduce her, that'll end the loop. I think it's just, eh, I've got to go through this same day every day. And so I'm just going to su- try to seduce women because what else am I going to do? Hmm. Yeah, my thought when I watched this was that if if it was just something where he wanted to have something else to do, I mean, he might at this point just give up on Rita and try something else, figuring, well, it's not going to work out. But I, I think mm-hmm. in the back of his mind, he does kind of tie his escape to Rita. And so he really wants to try to make it work somehow. It's just that, yeah, I mean, he's it's he's trying too hard. He's kind of going nuts with this thing, and, and he's going to need a wake-up call, which he'll get at one point, hopefully. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there is a connection. I don't know if it, well, it's not in the movie up to this point, at least. And it's not in the script, that connection of Rita is something from outside the town and from outside the loop. Whereas someone like Nancy, um, he only knows Nancy within the loop. He's only spent time with Nancy in this town on this day. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that doesn't make sense that why even if he forges, you know, really gets to know Nancy and forges a a sincere relationship with her or as sincere as it could be, given the one sided nature of he's going to be learning new things all the time. And, and Nancy just resets every day. But even if he is sincere, it there isn't there's nothing to pull him out of that loop because Nancy's all inside, in contrast to someone like Rita, who knew him before the loop and exists outside of Punxsutawney mm. and outside of, um, you know, outside of this spell that Mrs. Lancaster has, um, has cast here so that maybe if he can make a connection, this is a connection to, this is something that's outside this Punxsutawney bubble. So if he can make a sincere connection, maybe that can be sort of the lifeline to pull him out of, out of the spell to break the spell. Hmm. But I don't think he's thinking that it may, it may turn out that that's the case. We'll have to, you know, finish the movie and see. Hmm. But I think at this point, it's strictly, I've, I've, I've pulled my Nancy trick on every other woman in Punxsutawney. And so now I'm just turning my eyes to Rita. Hmm. Very interesting. All these kids, all those lines, it's all a lie. It's all a lie to him, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's what's, I think that's, that's, that's like the really, the worst part is he's using children, just innocent children as this like lie to like, you know, you know, just get with this woman as he well, sees her as an object. Yeah, I mean, this is just, just, oh yeah, man. It's not good. Like, yeah. Really, no, no depth to which you won't sink. Yeah, these were, honestly, these are, like, really hard minutes to do a summary of because you're just, like, you're yeah. watching this guy just become, like, the worst version of himself. He's already not a great guy when the movie starts, but he's becoming the worst. Right, <laughs> right. Well, and then the, there's, so, I, I mean, I think we talked about it the the first time through on the, the snowman scene and the snowball fight and uh, might have said something like, oh, maybe he slipped him 20 bucks. 
to uh, to to stage this snowball fight here. But you know, this is Phil. He's not a good guy. You know, maybe he's like, "Hey, I'll get you some cigarettes. I'll buy you some beer." Uh, <laughs> you know, I've got this. I've got this. Um, you know, bottle of vermouth. You can have all you need to do is throw some snowballs at me and my my lady friend here. Man, we're so getting I to can, a dark uh, place here, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, I mean, Phil is a dark character. Yeah. yeah. Actually, so. it, it'd be interesting if it was both. It was both. They were going to throw the snowballs anyway, but like mm-hmm. it wasn't is it an all right snowball like thing. But he like came to them on another day was like, you know, throw snow. And so they were all going to do it. So it's like it's in the back of their minds. But then he's put them in motion where they're going to do it, and he's going, yeah, he's going to buy them cigarettes and, and alcohol. <laughs> he's like, so I'll, I'll buy you this right now, and then you guys, you know, and he makes sure he gets them to do it even better, you know. He thinks he's like, oh, we'll just do it faster, more intense, and uh, faster, more intense. <laughs> I always, I love that George Lucas line. Uh, uh, do it again, faster, more intense. <laughs> so that's how I see. That's how I see. That's how George Lucas was editing his movies, hmm. and that's what Phil Connor sees this day. Oh, yeah. I just got to get, just got to get through it. Just got to get to the one thing. And and we'll do it. We'll, you know, we'll figure it out later. You know, hmm. I'll worry about tomorrow if it actually comes. <laughs> if it, yeah, yeah. So the um, the last note I had for this minute is well, one of the things. So when I tell people that I'm I have a podcast and I'm watching the movie Groundhog Day one minute at a time. Uh, so usually, the, I mean, the first thing they say, oh, that's you know, that's wonderful. It's such a great movie. I enjoy it so much. Um, and maybe I'll listen to your podcast. But then this, the second thing that I often get is, so what about the continuity? So you go back to these same scenes and we see these repeated days over and over again. Are you catching a lot of errors, a lot of mistakes? Are things really different from one day to another? Um, and one thing like, like Dave, you pointed out earlier, the flowers in Phil's hotel room that weren't there before that, uh, that obviously he must have ordered to try to you know nicen the place up a bit but one thing we see in the in the snowman making scene before we even get to the snowball fight is the couple that is walking along uh towards the hotel they're walking from right to left behind the scenes Mm -hmm. and so they were there we noted them uh you know the first time through and there they are again so they, they really do a good scene or a good job of the continuity between these things. Um, I mean, of course, the, the, the kids that are hiding behind um, that monument or that statue and they sneak out for the snowball fight, that's the same way uh, that we saw before the first time through. We see the, but even that, even the, the small details, that couple in the background, that they're, they're still there as they were um, on the same day earlier. Oh yeah, you would you would hope they would have a really good script supervisor and keep that continuity here. Yeah, I I didn't notice anything glaring as we went through this. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think I think that shows a lot of good work on the crew keeping it together and and making sure that if they were filming these scenes, they filmed it one after the other, and they let everyone know, hey, you're a background extra, but your movements are very important because you the person you're playing in this town will be doing the same thing over and over again unless Phil changes you to change something that day, mm-hmm. you know? Whereas you watch a lot of movies now 
And I think they didn't, I don't think they, you know, either the script supervisor pointed it out and the producer overrid it or the editor later just didn't take that note because you can watch movies and yeah, people, you know, their hands go into their pockets twice. They You could see them give the guy the same thing twice by the, you know, they change ca- camera angles. Mm-hmm. It's, and it's like, that was even part of the movie. Like it's about something else, but like damn it like i saw i looked in the wrong corner at the wrong time and i saw that horrible continuity and it makes you go oh yeah i forgot i'm watching a movie where clearly they didn't want to pay attention to the scene that wasn't important enough to them where i'm I'm glad in this movie um they really did it really is a nice focus yeah well i wonder if it's because of the the nature and the theme of the movie that the recurrence and the same day over and over again that that's so central that it is even more more important, I know that there's, there's there's script supervisors and there's other people on a regular movie set that are in charge of kind of keeping keeping continuity uh, consistent, keeping things looking right. But then, especially on something like this, where it's so important for for things to be repeatable. Um, well, they probably that, you know they they if if they spent extra effort to keep that consistent, then it it paid off. The I, only, I think the only time I I know I said the only time I got a little a, a little peevy about where things were was when we were talking about um, Ryerson when him and Phil were walking together. There was a few times where when they would stop and talk, mm-hmm. it looked like the person was going behind Phil. But when we cut to Phil talking with Ned, we never really saw that person pass. Right, because right, Phil was yeah. probably his his back was probably too close to the like the the back window of the shop so like eh, you can't really squeeze by and obviously the extras don't want to like go through and around because there's a, clearly they're filming a scene here yeah, and, you know, yeah. so like that's but uh, I'll, I'll i'll assume that like it's one of those things where i assume it happened between the cuts like we didn't you know but um that's that's really it but it, but overall though when you see it from a distance um the extras are they're making the same movements they're you know, they're standing in the same place. Well, in terms of, of filming these shots, it was probably one of the more efficient films to do just because they were able to get a lot of these scenes done. They would just finish that same shot and then they'd go and they'd say, okay, same, you know, day two, yeah. same guys. <laughs> just have them go. Yeah. Reset and do it again. Only, you know, everyone else do the same thing except for Bill Murray. Yeah. You're different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, they must have had a good relationship with the with the town council, I guess, when they were filming this. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I would hope so. Because like, hey, we're going to be filming all around your town and we're going to be filling the streets with people and we have to, you know, we're going to have them do the exact same motions 40 times. Yeah. <laughs> so, um so Josh, do you have an idea what's your feeling of time of day? Obviously, it's night, it's dark. Mm-hmm. Did you get a sense of how late it is? Um, for this, this snowman and snowball scene? Well, the kids are out. I mean, it's probably yeah. in the 7, 8 o'clock hour. I wouldn't see it much later than that. Yeah, yeah it's probably still school night. I doubt this is on a Friday or Saturday. Yeah. Did you figure out to, if, if right. this was filmed in 92 or 93, what day Groundhog Day would have uh, fallen on? I feel like we covered that in an early minute. I gotta figure I out think what was, I was. think it was a Tuesday? Yeah, school night. <laughs> yeah, yeah but, I remember. I, I did look it up at some point. Yeah, it is, it is definitely a... a uh, yeah, school night. It was a school night, so. Mm. Yeah. But, you know, a couple of near, you know, or well, actually more than a couple, a few ne'er-do-wells like <laughs> these guys. Ruffians. <laughs> yeah, ruffians. <laughs> what if these guys, those kids, you know, like, I don't want to get too weird, but maybe those kids, they become the Ralph and, and, and Gus, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Ralph and Gus the early years? Yeah, it's just like, ah, we're, we're messing around the town, and then they, 
they they just they fall under their little rut and they have it now they're at the bowling alley. Mm-hmm. So more things change, more they stay the same. <laughs> All right, that's um that's I mean I said I think I, I we good we we got because I don't want to go any farther in the sense that because Phil's just it's hard it's hard to talk about Phil right now. Yeah, yeah. So well, so Josh, anything? Do you have anything else for for minute fifty five or uh, no, or groundhogs no. in general? No, uh, I like groundhogs and groundhog days, and I, I can't wait till uh, my kids are a little bit older. I, I think they'll appreciate this film too. Uh, but uh, yeah, I wanted to thank you guys for having me on. This was a lot of fun, and uh, yeah, like like talking about the these movies by minutes things. So thanks again. Glad to glad to have you on. Uh, yeah, so yeah, let, let the listeners know where can they find you? Oh, hear more about you. Find me at five minutes of where me and my co-host Brett Stillo were talking about the movie Buckaroo Bonsai Across the Eighth Dimension five minutes at a time. Or if you like uh, John Carpenter's Big Trouble in Little China, we do the five-minute podcast on that one, fiveminutesoftrouble.com. And if you like old-time radio dramas, check out 12 Chimes It's Midnight. Uh, we're on at 12chimesradio.com. Awesome. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, those are those are all great. And I just want to point out or, or, or point out for the listener that uh, for the five minutes of Bonsai, that's a uh, uh, bonsai with that, a Z. Are you sure it's not B O N S A I? Pretty sure it's 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 <laughs> not, yeah it's not a podcast about li- the little trees. It's, uh, we had it's some confusion back Buckaroo in April bonsai. about that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and gotta let the listeners know if they want more five minute chunk podcasts. I have one I work on about mystery men, five minutes of mystery, and Sean has one. He talks about he talks about miming and he teaches you how to be a good mime. And, and how many minutes at a time is is the mime? It's five minutes at a time. Look at that! Yes. <laughs> wow. Yes. Yeah. So if you have five minutes and you're looking for a podcast, there's there's many to choose from that are all uh, five minutes of uh, of some sort or, or another, right? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, so that is that is it for us for minute fifty five. Thank you once again, Josh. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, uh, listeners. Thank you for listening, and we will be back tomorrow if there is one. Lots of kids. Lots of kids. <laughs> Let them say your hair's too long. Cause I don't care with you. I-